Let's open our Bibles uh, to Matthew chapter number 6. Matthew chapter number 6. I have been seeing these articles that start out something like this. I'm a, and then fill in the blank, whatever kind of professional that, that they are. Lately I've been seeing ones like, um, you, you can't call them stewards and stewardesses anymore, you have to call them flight attendants. And so the article would be, I'm a flight attendant, and then based upon that, then they will tell you what it is that you're doing wrong. Why you should or shouldn't drink the water on an air, airplane, or should you or should you not have the coffee, something like that. Uh, or, you know, there's, there are doctors that show up with articles like that. But usually, you know, they're telling you somehow based upon their experience how you're doing something wrong. One of them was a professional home cleaner. We have some professional home cleaners here. And uh, I did not consult with them before I planned to say this, so it is not, um, it is not verified ahead of time. But if you see two of these articles, you'll see one of them that says, for instance, uh, I'm a professional home cleaner and you have been cleaning your oven all wrong. And so you start to read the article and you find out that uh, you should start on the left-hand side. And if you continue reading and you find another one, you'll find out you should start on the right-hand side. And if you aren't disgusted by that, by the time you get to the third one, they'll say, well, you should start on the door, not in the bottom of the oven. So what I come to understand is, is everybody has an opinion. <laughs> and not all of them are worthy to, to be listened to. But the, the thought intrigues me. I, I'm, I don't know who chooses what articles are published and which ones aren't. But wouldn't it be a real drag that if you were to find out that, oh, I have been doing something wrong all of this time. And, and then, especially in relation to our Christian faith, then you're like, oh, I messed that up. How do I go back and fix that? And um, I think uh, so long as you're saved, whatever it is that you're doing, it can be fixed if you're willing to be teachable. I doubt that it's uh, such an egregious error or anything like that. And certainly I don't intend to come across that way with the topic at hand tonight. Uh, as I was uh, reading and studying Getting ready for tonight, I came across this article that uh, mentioned that Muslims in certain parts of the world have been praying facing the wrong direction, which uh, some people think, well, they need to be facing the sun or facing Mecca or what. I'll just read this to you. What happens when you pray facing the wrong direction? Muslims are supposed to pray facing the holy city of Mecca in Saudi Arabia. But what if you find you've been praying for years facing the wrong direction? 
The highest Islamic council in Indonesia announced that all mosques in the country are oriented improperly. It has been decided that actually the mosques are facing Somalia or Kenya, so we are now suggesting people shift the direction slightly to the northwest, said cleric Khalil Ridwan. Thankfully, God is more concerned with the position of our heart than the position of the person praying. Amen? Amen. And he's more concerned with spiritual attitude than physical direction. So uh, please don't take wrong when I give you the title about this. Brother Mike was asking me about the title, and I, I don't really care for the title as it is, albeit the first time that I presented this sermon, it was, it was really needed. We were missionaries in the country of Ukraine. And very often when we heard to people praying, at the end of their prayer, uh, you would hear, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, Amen. And that's how they would end their prayers. Which was curious to me because I find that we baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, but I didn't see where we prayed in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And I was moved to study this out or search out what, what would be technically correct prayer. Now, if you don't pray, I'm not saying I'm a preacher, so you've been praying all wrong. That's not the idea of what I'm presenting to you this evening, but to show to you what we find in God's Word, what Christ says about prayer and how it is presented and to whom it is presented. Uh, I was asked not long ago, um, is, it, is it wrong to pray, dear Jesus? Personally, I don't, I don't think so. But it does deviate a little bit from what Christ shows us in, um, in what we call the model prayer. Some people call it the Lord's Prayer. So let's look at Matthew chapter number 6 just as a beginning point. You do not need to stand. This is a little bit of a lengthy portion here. But let's begin reading in Matthew chapter number 6 and verse number 1. Take heed. Now what does that mean? Listen up, pay attention, right? Just don't, don't be mindless about your prayers. Pay attention. Take heed. All right? Take heed that you do not your alms before men to be seen of them. Otherwise you have no reward of your Father which is in heaven. Therefore, when thou doest thine alms, do not sound a trumpet before thee, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may have glory of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But when thou doest alms, let not thy left hand know what thy right hand doeth, that thine alms may be in secret, and thy father which seeth in secret himself shall reward thee openly. Now that establishes a principle right there regarding our relationship with the Lord. But there are things that are for that time between us and Him, and they are not for everyone else. And a lot of times we do things to be seen of men, and of course God says we've got our reward when we think that we've showed off to somebody, that's our reward. That's a little comfort to me in my prayer life. Verse number 5, And when thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets that they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, they what? They have their reward. Because they were doing it to be noticed. They got noticed. All right, that's the end of it. 
We don't see any power in their prayer. We don't see any answer from the Lord about these things. They, they got what they wanted, and that was notoriety that they are praying. It, it doesn't mean that they got a V8 under the hood or a single cylinder. Amen? Nothing more said about their prayer life. Not how effective it is, not how blessed it was, anything like that. They were seen, and then they're like, I'm good. Verse 6, but thou when thou prayest enter into thy closet and when thou hast shut thy door pray to thy father which is in secret and thy father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. But when ye pray use not vain repetitions as the heathen do for they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. Be not ye therefore like unto them for your father knoweth what things ye have need of before you ask him. After, uh, after this manner, therefore, pray ye, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Well, let's pray. And we will continue on. Our Father, we thank you for your many blessings to us and that we can be here this evening. Thank you for the health that you've given to us, uh, the blessings on our finances. Lord, uh, all the things that you've given to us in this great nation where you let most of us be born. Lord, we thank you that we have your word and that we can be instructed by it. Uh, all of the time as we turn to it and, and uh, seek your face and seek instruction from you about how to guide our lives. Lord, I pray that we might learn about prayer this evening, Lord, and, and even though uh, it's just a small point to, to bring up tonight, Lord, I pray that it would, would improve our prayer relations with you. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So, Understanding that, that God is manifest in three persons, we must understand that all three persons of the Godhead have a part in our prayer life. And this is part of my motivation for bringing this up to you this evening. Uh, not to say that you've been praying all wrong and that's why your prayers aren't answered. If your prayers aren't answered, that's between you and God. Because God is the one who answers prayer. Jesus says a number of times that, that if we'll speak to his Father, that he, Jesus, will do it. So if your prayers are going unanswered, I can't tell you why other than, other than anything more than what the Scripture already comments about it. That there are certain things, maybe there's a certain way we should pray, but, but God's not looking for us to carry out a ritual in order to answer our prayers. Amen? He is looking to see that we are saved, I believe. And I believe that that gives us standing to stand before Him. The Bible says that we, where we can come boldly to the throne of grace. Well, the only way you can do that is because you have the right to. And the right to was given us by Jesus Christ. So it's interesting how He addresses this. Uh, look at Luke chapter number 2. I hope your thumbs are limbered up. We're going to look at several scriptures Certainly I'm going to read them to you, so if your thumbs are tired, you can just listen up. But I would like it if you would turn to these with me and take a look at them. Maybe take a note or two here and there to see this so that you can see or you can compare your prayer life to what we see 
in the models and the things that, that Christ gives here. By the way, just how we address uh, ourselves to the power we are seeking help from is important. Well, Brother John, we're praying to God. I understand that, but how do you address Him? That's an important point and something that I'm, I'm struggling with or trying to deal with in my own personal life. And, and I think our prayer life is something that we're always going to work on in our Christian faith. Amen? Uh, whether it is to pray better, whether it is to get better answers from the Lord, maybe it is to pray longer about uh, various things or include um, more I pray much about my family and, and I forget about things that are farther out. Uh, I'll pray about the church, but there are things that are farther out. You know, if you draw a ring around yourself, there are these things that are closest to you and you're fervent in prayer about those. And you go to the next ring out and maybe you pray less about those. And I'm sure that for all of us, there's some ring out there where, where we don't even touch that in prayer. And so I seek to expand my rings going out of prayer as well. Well, something that I find interesting here is, is uh, found in Luke chapter number 11. And the disciples come. And I, and I want you to see a couple of things here that, that is, I don't know, they intrigued me. Luke chapter number 11 and verse 1 it says, And it came to pass that as he was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray. I don't know about you, but I'm thinking, what was that guy doing the whole time that Jesus was praying? You know, when somebody stands up here and they're starting to pray, all of us, our heads drop and, and, and we're praying along or praying our own prayer. This guy was watching. Lord, teach us to pray as John also taught his disciples. And he said unto them, when you pray, say what? Our Father. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done as in heaven, so in earth. So Jesus instructs us to approach God or to address God as Father. I'm just going to tell you about my own prayer life. When, when I come and I address God very often, dear Lord, it's, it's rarely in that relationship of dear Father. And as I, I have read devotions on this and see what, what is the difference, well, how you address God tells some things about your relationship and and how good it is, or, or the nature of the relationship. In, in the Bible, many times as we see the word Lord used, especially in the New Testament, it is somebody referring to Jesus and uh, speaking to him as Lord and Master. But when it comes to our prayer life, Jesus instructs us to pray or seek things from our Father. Look at John chapter number 14. John chapter 14 and verse number 8. Philip saith unto him, Lord, show us the Father, and it sufficeth us. Jesus saith unto him, 
Now, see how Philip addressed Jesus? He says, Lord. And then Jesus turns around and says, Have I been so long time with you, and yet thou hast not known me, Philip? He that hath seen me hath seen whom? The Father. And how sayest thou then, show us the Father? Believest thou not that I am in the Father, and the Father in me? The words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself, but the Father that dwelleth in me, he doeth the works. Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father in me, or else believe me for the very works' sake. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me, the works that I do, shall he do also, and greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father. We have the same God, the same Heavenly Father as Jesus. But this greater works than what Jesus did, I've heard commentators say they believe this just means more. I don't know if you can do something greater than raising the dead. But if you could do it over and over and over, I, I guess that would be greater, amen? Or healing people. But getting your prayers answered on a consistent basis uh, what we see here for, for Christ and his ministry, and I believe he was in prayer early on in his life. That's how he could come and at 12 years old, come and instruct the instructors of the law at the, at the temple and, and where he could have a meaningful uh, dialogue with them there and question with them. And then when he came to teach a few years later in the synagogues and people they reacted and said, never heard we anyone speak like this man spake, for he speaks with authority. But Christ here says, whatsoever, whatsoever ye shall ask in my name, verse number 13, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If ye shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. If ye love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray whom? The Father. And he shall give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever. The, the, um, what we call the model prayer. I don't call it the Lord's Prayer because the Lord's Prayer is in John chapter 17, amen, where the Lord was actually praying. The two places that we read here, many people call it uh, the, the Lord's Prayer, or in Ukraine they call it the Our Father Prayer. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Uh, there are religions that have made that a vain repetition. It doesn't have any meaning to the people that uh, repeat it. They don't take any thought for what they are saying or to whom uh, they are addressing that prayer. They just understand, okay, I can do this. I can repeat this. Uh, the priest says, this is good, so I'm going to do this. And it would be interesting. I, I have a quote about what their prayer, uh, how they are instructed to pray those that pray that prayer on a regular basis. And essentially, it is, it's an, the idea of their prayer life is, is to get a consensus and to get everybody involved so that you can put pressure on God to answer your prayer. Let's get a saint in here. Let's get his uh, Christ mom in here. Let's uh, get all the aunties and uncles and everybody involved, and, and maybe God will answer because of them. And yet Jesus says about God the Father that he loves us, 
and he hears us and he knows what we need even before we ask and he's waiting. In John chapter 17 and verse 1 it says, These words spake Jesus and lifted up his eyes to heaven. So that might answer another question. Do you always have to bow your head and close your eyes when you pray? Apparently not. Kids, don't listen because your parents are going to tell you, bow your head and close your eyes. The reason that we do that really is, is to concentrate on that relationship with the Lord. Not to set our eyes on an image or anything like that, to, to think, okay, this is God or this is like God or anything like that. Nope. I'm going to close my eyes. That cuts off 85% of my outside perception so that I can concentrate on who I believe God is, and Lord, I am addressing myself to you. And he said, Father, the hour has come. Back in John chapter number 16, just a chapter before, in verse number 22 it says, And ye now therefore have sorrow, but I will see you again, and your heart shall rejoice, and your joy no man taketh from you. And in that day ye shall ask me nothing. Verily, verily, I say unto you, whatsoever ye shall ask whom? The Father. In my name. He will give it you. Hitherto have ye asked nothing in my name. Ask and ye shall receive that your joy may be full. Notice that, that Jesus is even deflecting prayer from himself to his Father. Is it wrong to pray to Jesus? I don't think it's wrong to pray to Jesus. He's God too, amen? But it's interesting that Jesus himself deflects the prayers and he says, pray to my Father and address him as Father. Verse 24, Hitherto have ye asked nothing in my name. Ask and ye shall receive, that your joy may be full. These things have I spoken unto you in Proverbs, but the time cometh when I shall no more speak unto you in Proverbs, but I shall show you plainly of the Father. At that day ye shall ask in my name, I say not unto you that I will pray the Father for you, for the Father himself loveth you, because ye have loved me, and believed that I came out from God. Many commentators think that this is even a future thing, that when Christ comes and sets up his kingdom, that we're not going to be asking Jesus for these things. We're going to be asking his Father, and these things can be fulfilled through Christ and what he does then. But it's interesting that he always directs us to his Father. I don't know if you know who Andrew Murray is. He wrote a few books on prayer. One of them is called With Christ in the School of Prayer. It's a, a book of like 30 devotions. Uh, I'll be honest with you, it's hard for me to get through one in a day, let alone take one every day and try to get through them just because there's so much food there for thought. Here is what he writes about this. A teacher is always anxious that his schoolroom should be bright and attractive, filled with the light and air of heaven, a place where pupils long to come and love to stay. In his first words on prayer in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus seeks to set the inner chamber before us in its most attractive light. If we listen carefully, we soon notice what the chief thing is he has to tell us of our tarrying there. 
Three times he uses the name of Father. Pray to thy Father. Thy Father shall recompense thee. Your Father knoweth what things you have need of. The first thing in closet prayer is, I must meet my Father. The light that shines in the closet must be the light of the Father's countenance. The fresh air from heaven with which Jesus would have, have it filled, the atmosphere in which I am to breathe and pray is God's Father love, His infinite fatherliness. Thus each thought or petition that we breathe out will be simple, hearty, childlike trust in the Father. This is how the Master teaches us to pray. He brings us into the Father's living presence. I wonder who of us enters prayer like that. So many times we, we make a speedy entry and a speedy exit, right? I sometimes uh, would uh, tease. It had to be the right individuals, but uh, you know the, that um, there are certain religions, they cross themselves when they pray. But it seemed like sometimes they wanted to hurry in their prayer, so I would use not one hand but two to get it done faster. And sometimes that's what our prayer life is like. Just get in there, blah, 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 and be done. And here he speaks about coming in and sitting in the Father's presence. I don't know about you, I relish time with my dad. I'm looking forward to seeing him here in about a month, Lord willing. Sit down and talk with him. Who of us relishes that kind of love and time with our Heavenly Father? And how much better would our prayer life be if we had that sort of relationship with him, that we approached him not as Lord and Master, which he is, but as our Heavenly Father, which is how we are instructed to pray by Christ. Look at John chapter number 15. So number one, it's to pray and to seek from God the Father. Pray to God the Father or seek blessings from God the Father. Then John chapter 15 and verse number 16, it says, Ye have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you that ye should go forth, should go and bring forth fruit, and that your fruit should remain, that whatsoever ye shall ask whom? The Father. How? In my name, he may give it you. So the second thing is, after we address the Father, the second thing is, is all the things that we, we request, we request it in Jesus' name. Now, if Chad and Sally are siblings, and Sally comes to Chad and says, go wash the dishes, How is Chad going to take that? Chad's going to say, you go wash the dishes. You're the girl. What a difference it makes when Sally comes in and says, Chad, Dad said wash the dishes. Oh, 
He salutes and goes and washes the dishes. It may or may not be a right spirit when he does it, but he understands who said it. And when we address God the Father, Jesus instructs us that we address him not in our own power, not in our own strength, not in our own name, but we address him in Jesus' name. That we beseech him through his Son. By the way, you'll notice that when Jesus finished his prayers, he didn't say, in my name. God knows who he is. He, he doesn't need to figure it out. Amen? It is Jesus. It is Jesus asking. Now, when it comes to us asking, we're told to pray in Jesus' name. And, and we'll request in, in anybody's name who's going to get us a better answer than we would ourselves. Amen? Well, that's always going to be in Jesus' name. Sally, take out the trash. <laughs> Sally, mom said to take out the trash. It makes a difference who's asking or in whose power we are asking. Praying or requesting something in someone else's name means maybe we don't have the right to approach. Remember when you were a kid? Hey, ask your mom if I can come over. Well, you chicken, go ask yourself. No way. I'm asking the kid who can go ask the parent. Ask your dad if I can spend the night. Yeah, we did that through our friends. We know where the bread's buttered, right? All right. With God the Father, the bread is buttered with Jesus. Look at Matthew chapter number 7. Matthew chapter 7, verse number 11 says, If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your Father... Amen? Are you starting to get it? How much more shall your Father, which is in heaven, give good things to them that ask Him? John 1, 12, But as many as received Him... To them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. When our relationship with God began, it was when Jesus Christ saved us, and that is when our prayers began to be in Jesus' name for everything after that. Andrew Murray continues, Our Father which art in heaven... To appreciate this word of adoration aright, I must remember that none of the saints had in Scripture ever ventured to address God as their Father. Can you imagine that? The invocation places us at once in the center of the wonderful revelation the Son came to make of His Father as our Father too. It comprehends the mystery of redemption, Christ delivering us from the curse that we might become the children of God. Man, I am blessed to be a child of God. But not everybody is a child of God. Only those people that have come for salvation to Jesus Christ and have received His salvation, those are the children of God. Not everybody that was born on the planet, not, not anything like that. 
But 1 John chapter 3, verse 1 says, Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed on us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. Galatians 4, 6, and 7 says, And because ye are sons, God hath sent forth the Spirit of his Son into your hearts, crying, what? Abba, Father. Wherefore thou art no more a servant, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. Praying or requesting in someone else's name means perhaps we're in debt to the one we're asking and we're requesting them to kind of overlook that debt to fulfill our request, to help us out anyway. Look at John chapter number 14. Praying in someone else's name means there's a reason that the grantor would do something for the person in whose name we are asking that the grantor might not do for us. That again is asking your friend to go talk to their parent about something or, oh boy, it makes me crazy. The boys and the girls at Bible college Go ask so-and-so to find out from so-and-so if so-and-so likes me. (laughs) How do we know that so-and-so and and -and so-and-so are talking to that other person? Maybe they don't like them either. It's hard to keep track. And, And sometimes I've heard this, that the person doing the asking won't go to the person they like to talk to them. I think that's a real budding start to a great relationship, right? <laughs> Jesus shows us that we need to be on the direct path, that we speak to God as our Father, which He is if we're saved, and that we make our petitions. The Bible says, casting all of our cares upon Him, for He careth for you. And understanding that he cares for us, we address him as Father, and we ask of him in Jesus' name. We ask in Jesus' name of the Father who directs Christ's actions on our behalf. In Psalm chapter 40 and verse 8, he says, I delight to do thy will, O my God. I tell you what, if anything would motivate your prayer to be to the Father in Jesus' name, it ought to be that. That Jesus delights to do his Father's will. Oh yeah, I'm going to be asking the Father some things. Because it's Jesus who delights to do his Father's will. Lastly then, let's look at Romans. Did I ask you to turn to John 14? Uh, Let's look there, verse number 11. John chapter 14, verse 11. Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father in me, or else believe me for the very work's sake. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me, the works that I do, shall he do also. And greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father, and whatsoever ye shall ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified 
in the Son. If ye shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. Look at Romans chapter number 8. And we come down to the last thing here. By the way, something that we didn't hear in, in Jesus' uh, prayer was, in my name. And I think that the other thing that we didn't hear in Jesus' prayer is the word, amen. Do you have to say amen to get your prayers answered? It seems like maybe not, but we're so steeped in that tradition, I don't think we could give it up. Do I think that that is the thing that seals the deal in prayer? I do not. But I think it is something that we can say. The Bible and, and the commentary show to us it means so be it. Uh, in different places it means I believe. Um, the thought is let it be like that, Lord. But I think amen is a good way to end it. So be it. The third thing then about this technical prayer process, we're addressing God the Father and we're addressing Him as our Heavenly Father. We are praying in Jesus' name, the one through whom we are requesting these things of our Heavenly Father. And then thirdly, we pray with the Holy Spirit's help and interception, intercession. Romans chapter 8 and verse number 15 says, For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption whereby we cry, what again? Abba, Father. So even here, interestingly enough, this word Abba is, is like, uh, hey dad. It's closer than, you know, that we used to, Growing up, we knew that the rich kids, they had to address father and mother. That's how they talked, father and mother. All I ever had was a mom. I never had a mother. And my mom didn't want to be called mother. Sometimes we'd tease her and call her mother. But that's not how she wanted to be addressed. And it seems to me here then that that Jesus speaks about it and then he causes the Holy Spirit to speak about it that when we come to God the Father, it's not God the Father, you know, robes and a special hat and all that, no. But Abba, like, Dad, I got this thing I need to talk to you about. I got this thing, I I want you to hear about my successes and failures. I want you to help me, Lord, to come through these successes and failures in a way that's pleasing to you. But, But Dad, I need your help. And we should understand from the way that, that, that Christ addresses this that this prayer thing that we talk about should be much more personal than we treat it. Look down a few more verses to verse number 26. It says, Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. That's a good thing. Amen. Do you, any of you have infirmity in prayer? Well, the Holy Spirit helps. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought. 
But the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered, no matter how hard the charismatics try. And he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Two more verses and we'll be through. Look at Ephesians chapter number 6. Again, highlighting the emphasis of the Spirit's work in our prayer, we address God as our Heavenly Father. We are requesting of Him in Jesus' name. And all the while that we're doing this, the Holy Spirit may be bringing things to our mind to pray about, perhaps better ways to word things. But note what the different words in these verses that we come to show. It says, uh, in the Spirit, with the Spirit, by the Spirit. The Holy Spirit is, is wholly involved in our prayer life. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse number 18 says, Praying always with all prayer and supplications in the Spirit, which means that there are going to be times that the Holy Spirit wants you to pray and you need to be ready. It was really intriguing to me to have a pastor call up and say, you know, I, I feel like the Lord wanted me to call, and uh, so just wondering what's up. And you know what? Sometimes something was up, something extra was up, and sometimes it wasn't. But it was always an encouragement to get that call. I have heard times of prayer warriors that were woke up in the middle of the night or stopped dead in their tracks while they're doing something because the Holy Spirit said, you need to pray for so-and-so right now so that sometime later, months, maybe years later, they find out why the Holy Spirit wanted them to pray. And it was because it was their time to be an intercessory prayer for someone else. I don't know why God makes it that way, but I know that there are times when He's brought things to my heart and I just, I've had to stop what I'm doing and pray for someone. If that's ever happened to you, I don't need to describe it. I don't know how to describe it better to you, but you understand there's some urgency to it. And definitely when there's some urgency to our prayers, we want to make sure that God hears it. We're going to be addressing Him as our Father. We're going to be calling out to Him in Jesus' name and expecting that if some way we're messing it up or failing for a moment here that the Holy Spirit intercedes for us and with us on behalf of this other person. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. And lastly, Philippians chapter 1 and verse 19. Philippians chapter 1 verse 19. For I know that this shall turn to my salvation through your prayer. And the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. And this reminds us again who it is that acts on our behalf. But on instruction from God the Father, Jesus Christ works things out. And there's so many other scriptures, you know them, that we could pull in here together. But... I just wonder, you know, are you satisfied with your prayer life? If somebody stood up here and said, oh, I'm a professional prayer warrior and you're praying all wrong, would you get the message? Would you even read the article? Is there something that maybe you need to change about your prayer life? 
I'm not saying that you're doing it wrong, but certainly if the Lord has brought something to your attention tonight, I'd invite you to straighten it out, work out the wrinkles. Let's stand, have every head bowed and every eye closed for just a moment. Certainly if you do not know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you do not have boldness to come to the throne of Christ except for to get saved. God is not your heavenly Father, so there's no point in asking anything in Jesus' name other than for Jesus to save you. But for the rest of us, how is our prayer life? Is it that personal, meaningful thing like Jesus describes it, that we come in prayer to the throne of grace and we say, Dad, i got to talk with you. Do we speed through it like, Dear Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. Or do we spend some time there and, and really want to get to know the mind of the Lord? It is obvious that Jesus treated it as a very special time with his father and he addressed God as his father, which he is, but that was a point that he taught his disciples when they said, teach us to pray. He says, pray like this, our father. And by the way, when you're speaking to my father, just ask what you need. Just ask him in my name. Just tell him I said you could. And the Holy Spirit is here and he will help you. He'll let you understand what you need to pray for. He'll let you understand how long you need to pray for. He'll intercede. He'll reinterpret your prayer if you need it. I wonder how many of us are this serious about our prayer life. I'm going to pray the musical play. I think Jacob will be singing. If you need to pray, please come on forward. I've, I don't really have much more to say other than we should be examining our prayer life. And We have the men's thing on Sunday morning and I really enjoy that and to see the fellows out here and, and to partake in that. I, I really like to see that. But we must make sure that our, our prayers are not vain repetitions, that they're not just words spit out of our mouth, but that in exercise of this relationship that we have with an ever-loving Father who knows us, knows our needs before we ask them, and wants to answer through His Son, do we give it the gravity that is due? Lord, I thank you for your many blessings to us. I thank you, Lord, that as a, a child of God, I have an open door for prayer. And Lord, uh, not because I'm trying to be legalistic about it or anything else, but Lord, certainly through Christ and through the written scriptures, you've instructed us here, there, there, there is a way to pray. There is a way to come to you, to address you. There is a way that we should be asking in Jesus' name for the things uh, that, that we need. Lord, that we should be praising you in our prayers. Holy Father, I pray that you might even be patient with me as I try to work on my own prayer life. And pray, Lord, that these things have been helpful to others this evening. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.